Hello, footy fans. Welcome to Bruise and Banter FC. Join us as we break down the festive EPL fixtures with a side of banner and festive brews. I'm Redbeard, joined by my jolly co-host, Targo. Co-host? Co-host. I'm sure what you say, co-host. Ah, uh, cohort, you know, we're always getting in trouble. Whatever it is. Yeah. But we've got the lowdown on all the action, so grab your favorite brew, kick back, and let's dive into the festive football madness. This is Brews and Banter FC, and an all-new episode starts right now. All right, man, the festive fixtures. 29 matches in 10 days. Let's review the action, shall we? Well, first, first. (laughs) what are you drinking? (laughs) Today, I got one of my staples, Belching Beaver Brewing Peanut Butter Milk Stout. This is literally peanut butter in a can. I absolutely love it. You've had that one before, so you don't need to tell us how it is. No, I do. I do have a new beer. It's a matchless Citra, Strata, and Nelson. Hazy IPA. Interesting. Is there a story behind that name, or is it just fun? I have no idea. Okay. Doesn't say anything about it. But let's try it and see how it is. Pretty good. Yeah? I thought it'd be hoppier than what it is, and I was pleasantly surprised. (laughs) Well, that's so, good. That's I'd good. give it a solid, but it's also not very flavorful. If I'm if I'm being honest, like you don't get a fruity flavor. Yeah, not a strong hoppy flavor. It's just, yeah, not a lot of notes of anything. No, hmm. so I'd give it a good seven and a half. Okay, I like your uh, your new background there, buddy. Yeah, your new you little see, studio. You can see some of our bruising banter merch there. A little. Yeah. On reaction. Hard to see with the glare, but. BMBFC. That's right. Yeah. You can also get those stickers like these or the same as the ones that are behind him. Yep. On our Redbubble. So make sure you go check those out. Help support the channel. Without further ado, my friend, it's the most wonderful time of the year. (laughs) 29 matches in 10 days, like you said. So let's review the action. Well, let's start with the league leader, shall we? Liverpool. Shall we? Yeah. Beat West Ham in the EFL Cup quarterfinal 5-1 at Anfield. Drew against Arsenal 1-1 at Anfield. Beat Burnley 2-0 away. And then won 4-2 to Newcastle at Anfield. Anfield. Yeah, man. I, you know, if you would have told me that they were top of the table come January 1st after being second in the table come Christmas, I probably would have been like, eh, I don't think so, but... Teams around them dropping points. We're not having games. They win two out of three and a couple draws draw point... in there, yeah. Yeah. Two out of three with a draw. Three points clear, top of the table. Playing well. I'm interested to see how they fare when Mo Salah goes to the African Cup of Nations. That will be interesting in January. Interesting. And they'll also lose Wataro Endo as well. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Um as far as January goes, I mean, I know there's a winter break in there of like a week and a half, 
So they'll luck out on that aspect. But play Arsenal in the FA Cup. And then February 3rd, they play Arsenal at the Emirates, as well as two games in the middle there. So it should be interesting to see if they can keep their spot at the top of the table. They're looking pretty good, man. Yeah. Um, I will say Mo Salah is like single-handedly their entire offense, but as how he played in these matches, I mean, he created all but one of the chances at Anfield against Newcastle. He had the goal against Arsenal. Yeah. I, and then that Burnley game, they, they were convincing. They dominated that game. Yeah. Burnley never looked like getting into it. Yeah. Not at all, but. Yeah, I mean, Newcastle gave him a game. They turned it into a route, and then, you know, controversial dive slash penalty at the end. And <laughs> Terrible dive, man. Terrible dive. I, don't, I still don't understand how VAR doesn't overturn that. You look at, like, seven different angles, and you see in every single one that Dubrovka doesn't actually touch Diogo Jota. So. Oh, I think he definitely clips him. Like, he touches him, for sure. Like, his elbow touches his heel. There's no doubt. There's contact, but it's, it's definitely not enough contact to go down for one, and then and he not, takes like two steps. He, yeah. He and then falls. kept going. He, yeah. And I'll quote Ian Wright on this one. You know, I thought I'd seen it all until I saw someone dive instead of putting the ball into a wide open net. <laughs> yeah, it was just one of those, like, what are you doing, Jota? I mean, they, Mo Salah steps up, scores a PK after missing a PK, but. And changing his boots. <laughs> he did change his boots. Yeah, that, that was a funny thing as well I saw after the game. I, I'll be honest, I did not even notice that during the game. Yeah, I didn't either until someone pointed it out afterwards. It goes from yellow yeah. to blue, but, I mean, who's watching his shoes? Not me. Me neither. All right, well, let's go from the team that was in first place to a team that is currently fourth, Arsenal. Yeah. Drew 1-1 at Anfield, like we said. They lost. 2-0 to West Ham at the Emirates, and then lost 2-1 to Fulham at Craven Cottage. So, not a great start. Not a good Christmas, not a good New Year here for Arsenal. No, no. I mean, the draw against Liverpool, I would say they were probably lucky to get away with just a point. I mean, Zinchenko looks like a liability in the back. Mosala took him to the cleaners all, all match. Yeah, I think he forgot Mo Salah was left-footed or something. Man. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, don't know, know what, what he was, he was doing. I don't know either. Um, their loss at home against West Ham was their first loss at home this season. Uh, the first goal was deja vu of the Newcastle goal with the ball being out but not called out. I'm, I'm not they upset about that one. If I'm, I'm not either with you. It's because you they, didn't, they didn't deserve to win that match. Or get but a you point also from can't it, tell. So. Like, even if there was a camera on the opposite side, you still wouldn't have been able to tell because no, Zinchenko post was be right the there. Wall. Yeah. Yeah. So And Zinchenko because he was in the goal line pretty much. There you go. Um, but, I mean, it, it just explains it all when you have 30 shots and you get shut out and your opponent has six and scores two goals on you. And then Deja yeah, I mean, Vu again I think, against I think Fulham, I saw man. something. They also had the most, like – box entries without scoring a goal or something like that in the in the history of the premier league yeah yeah it was like it 75 was really entries into the opponent's box and they didn't score a goal that's crazy yeah i will give credit to west ham i mean it was a defensive masterclass. they did great i wouldn't say arsenal had a clear-cut opportunity to score in that match even though they had 30 shots um and then yeah the 2-1 against fulham i'll be honest with you it's the worst I've seen Arsenal play in probably two years. 
it was awful. They barely had any creative threat going forward. Sokka's goal was just luck. I mean, Martinelli hits it, Leno parries it, and it hits Sokka and goes in the net. He didn't even look like he meant it. Yeah. So, I mean, if that's what it's going to take for Arsenal to score, they are not going to be in this title race much longer. No, and they're conceding goals, too. No yeah. Sheets here Which they didn't, they didn't do that earlier in the season, so... Yeah, their attack has kind of lost that threat. Martinelli looks out of form. Jesus out of form. Saka, if I'm being honest, man, he doesn't look like the kind of player to pull a team up to try to keep going. You know, that looks like Odegaard. Odegaard was definitely trying that in this game, but yeah, Declan Rice as well. Saw him and Gabriel get into a couple spats in the Fulham game. So there's got to be something going on there because there's lack of communication with them as well. I, I don't know what it is, but. Something's happening in Arsenal, and it's got to change soon. And if not, then they need some reinforcements in January. Otherwise, they will be uh, – I think they might even, you know, they're one point ahead of Tottenham, six points ahead of West Ham. They, they could possibly not even make the top four if you keep playing like this. All right. Let's move on to a team that's a surprise top four. That's Aston Villa, man. Yeah, man. They're in they- second. Currently in second place, they drew 1-1 to Sheffield United at home. They lost 3-2 to Man United at Old Trafford, which was a stunning game. And then they won 3-2 at home to Burnley. Yeah, man. are flying high, man. Like you said, second place, they're three points behind Liverpool. We're in first. Really, their only slip-up is that draw against Sheffield. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the loss against United after being 2-0 up at halftime. You oh, yeah, could I say guess, that one got that away. As well, yeah. They, but they played fantastic that first half at Old Trafford, man, and then just collapsed. They, that second half, they just looked tired, worn out. Same thing against Burnley. I mean, Burnley's not very good, so they were able to win, but they just look tired right now. Same as Newcastle. They both just look exhausted. I mean, they're... Not a deep squad, neither is Newcastle. So it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season goes, and they definitely will be thankful for that extended break in the middle of January. But there's Cinderella story right now, and I love to see it. It's fantastic to watch. I wish it would happen more often, but it doesn't. Yeah, I'm excited to see see where they they finish, man. It's going to be interesting. Top four hopes. I know you called it, but we'll see. It's a hope at this point. The longer they go, staying in the top four, obviously, the better chance they have. But we'll see what happens. If they can stay healthy and maybe get in a reinforcement or two in January, then solidify those top four hopes. It's going to be tough. This league is very tight this year. I wouldn't expect much to happen in January. They spent quite a bit of money in the summer getting Diaby, Pau Torres, working out the loan deal for Zaniolo. So I, I wouldn't expect much money there for them to spend. But moving on to a club that's hoping to finish top four, Tottenham, man. They beat Everton yeah. 2-1 at home. They lost to Brighton at the Amex, and then they won 3-1 at home to Bournemouth. Yeah, some topsy-turvy results for them. I mean, Everton were flying high coming into their game. They beat them 2-1. It was a great game to watch. Everton, you know, kept pushing to the end, and Tottenham just did enough to get it over the line. They looked poor against Brighton. Now, Brighton, you know, looked back to their attacking best in that match, but 
Spurs were sloppy in defense. Vicario had to bail them out time and time again, but it wasn't enough. And then they beat high-flying Bournemouth, man, and convincingly. So I I think they're, you know, if, once they get Madison back, and, I mean, Van der Ven's probably out for the rest of the season, but we'll see no, if he, he comes be, back. Van der Ven should be coming back, I thought. I thought he did something to his knee, but I could be I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure he's coming back in January along with Madison. Okay. Well, then that'll be a huge boost to their top four hopes, especially with the way, you know, Arsenal's playing ahead of them. They could jump over them into the top four. But it's encouraging to get these wins under their belt while they're without probably two of their best players. Yeah, they are going to lose some players, though, here in January. They're going to lose Hyung Min Son, um, Basuma, Pate Sar as well, I believe. Uh, I think that's it. That's think, enough, though, man. Yeah. Losing three players of that. Well, quality. especially, yeah, you're starting two defensive midfielders and your best striker. It's going to be a, quite a miss. Good thing they're getting Madison back because that will help. But we'll see how they perform. It's going to be a wild January into February for all these teams that are missing big players. Yes, yes, it will be. That was a fun game though to watch that Brighton oh, game, man. Two yeah, very was... attacking teams just. Back and forth, it. all match. And, it was fantastic. And I think I gotta disagree with you that Spurs won convincing, convincingly against Bournemouth. Yes, they won three one, and it. But that scoreline does not flatter them. Bournemouth had chances in this game, man. That I think Spurs were lucky not to concede even more goals. But either way, they got the win. They sit in fifth place, just one point behind Arsenal, like you said. Let's move to the team that won last year. The treble, Manchester City. They won the Club World Cup 4-0 against Fluminense. They won 3-1 at Everton and then won 2-0 at home to Sheffield United. All games they should be winning. Am I right? I 100% agree. I thought the Everton match would be a bit closer. But they, I mean, Everton did not look like the side that's been playing recently. They did the first half. They were 1-0 up at halftime. And then in the second half... Uh, yeah, Phil Foden, City, one strike, yeah. and a poor mistake by Pickford, and yeah. But, I mean, City City looked like a different squad after winning the Club World Cup. I mean, shout out to Julian Alvarez, who's now won everything and the first player to win the Club World Cup and the World Cup. So, good for him. He has won uh, everything. Football he has won everything. Completed. Check. Yeah. <laughs> Football. So I would love for him to take his game to another level. Probably not at City would be preferable. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, cr- credit to him. He's been fantastic all year. And, you know, with Erling Holland out for all these matches, he stepped up. So did Phil Foden, who's looking like a player reborn sitting in that Kevin De Bruyne role. Oh, doesn't he look good in that number 10 position, man? He does. He does. And, you know, now with... Kevin De Bruyne in full training, I would say everybody in the Premier League's boots are shaken. <laughs> With the way City are playing right now, they're close to the top. We're getting to that time of year where they are at their best and they're getting healthy at the same time. It's going to be real rough for everybody else. Yeah, and their next few matches here in January, they got Huddersfield in the FA Cup, but then Newcastle, Burnley, Brentford, Everton. Yeah. No, just Brentford and Everton are in February. So, I mean, not 
the toughest fixture. And then they got Copenhagen in the Champions League coming up in February. So. Yeah, so you'd expect them to win all of those matches. I'm sure they'll play a severely weakened side against Huddersfield. But we'll, we'll see how they go. And, you know, I hope Copenhagen gives them a match. I do. I do too, man. They were so fun to watch in the group stage. They were. They were. It was exciting. All so right. let's, let's let's get to their uh, noisy neighbors, shall we? Okay. The red side <laughs> of Manchester. <laughs> yeah, Man United, man. Who knows what you're going to get? Because they lost 2-0 away to West Ham. <laughs> like a box of chocolates, man. <laughs> they, they won 3-2 against Villa, and we'll get into that match in a second. And then they lost 2-1 away to Forest, where Anthony Alonga just tore them up in his revenge match. Yeah, so West Ham, they looked devoid of confidence. They didn't look very good. Couldn't create nothing. What about that West Ham match, though? Or Aston Villa match? Who? what a game, man. Like I said, Villa came out flying that first half. We're putting United to the sword. 2-0 up at halftime. It honestly looked like United were not going to get back into it. <laughs> they did, though. Garnacho with a couple goals. Hoyland gets his first for... Manchester United in the Premier League, and you could see what it meant to him, man. Oh. The passion, the oh yes, the fire. He was he was excited for that goal. Yeah, not and a terrible finish either. No, definitely not. And Garnacho just seemed to take that match by the horns and just single handedly put United back into it because it didn't look like until then that anybody else was going to create anything. No, no, it didn't. But that game is kind of as a whole. I say sums up United. Poor first half, good second half, and they're that's they're kind of playing like a mid table team, man. Lose, yeah. win, lose. They're probably gonna win, then they'll lose. I mean, if you look at their squad on paper, not knowing that it was Manchester United, you would probably say, yeah, that is a mid table squad. Ouch! Harsh with Casemiro, Varane, like, even though they're not Casemiro's not playing anyway. But Bruno Fernandez, I saw something. Uh, for 2023, he created more chances than any other player in the Premier League. Yep. If you look at his stats alongside that, though, it also took him the most to create one of those chances. So for every, you know, eight or so chances that he tried to create, he got one of them right. So they're definitely creating chances. It's just, are they quality or not? And he, yes, he created the most quality chances, but he also had a plethora of other ones where he should have done the same thing. So I guess why does that stat matter? Stats are stats, man. You can pad them in any way you want to make you look great or terrible. It's That's what stats are for. It's I mean, Kevin De Bruyne has said something similar. Like, why would I want easy passes in the midfield to pad my stats instead of playing a, a cutting ball that can open up a defense that is obviously harder to play and could get intercepted? Yeah, and I mean, if you look at the chances created by Bruno versus the amount of goals scored, it's not many. It's also so, not on him, though, if his players no, can't pin it. No, I will give him that. But, again, stats can be blown out of proportion or don't tell the whole story. I think you're giving him a little less credit than uh, he deserves, man. That's a fantastic stat to have. It is. That's don't right. get me wrong. I'll, I'll, I'll give him his shout-out. Good for you, Bruno. Okay. I won't. I know you won't. Because <laughs> honestly, I think when he's on the field, United play worse. So I disagree with you 100. <laughs> percent 
<laughs> he is Manchester United's best player. Disagree? Who is Manchester United's best player, if not Bruno? I didn't say I disagree. I was <laughs> going to say none of them are good, but, you know. <laughs> well, let's go to a team I know you also won't praise or give support, and that's Newcastle United. Well, I mean, it's rightfully so. They're not playing well right now. Oh, they're ninth place. Let's see. They lost 1-0 to Luton. Lost 3-1 at home to Nottingham Forest. And lost 4-2 away at Anfield. They lost all their festive fixtures, man. All of them. Yeah, and I mean, they've lost four of their last five. I think right now they have more losses than they did the entirety of last season, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh, keep talking and I can look that up. Um, I mean, you start with the loss against Luton. I mean, yes, Luton have been playing well at home. Some of the matches they've lost, they should have deserved to win. But to beat Newcastle at home for Luton, what a win for them. And then Newcastle at Forest are playing against Forest at home. There's no way they should lose 3-1 to one to a team that essentially had lost every game coming up to that point. New manager bounce, baby. Nuno. Yeah. But, I mean, their form is worse than most relegation sides right now. And then the match at Anfield, they look better than they had been, but their defense is just not the same. Even getting Sven Botman back. Yeah, and he had Kieran Trippier out of that Anfield game. Yeah. Uh, Livermento was in it. But going back to the losses, you are correct. So last season, Newcastle lost five games this season they've already lost nine not including the champions league oh not even this is just premier league yes (laughs) yeah pretty sure they lost four games before the end of october so or five games so they are doing much worse yeah i mean they've won last season they they score they're scoring goals i mean they have scored more goals than arsenal has but they're letting in so many more than they did last season which is that you can imagine the amount of one nil wins they had last season was crazy. Yeah. And doesn't help the injuries they've got going on, the suspensions, the mm-hmm. the bands to Tonali. All over the place. Nick Pope's out, Ken Trippier's been out. Sven Botman's been out until just now when he came back for the game at Anfield. So they lost uh was it Harvey Barnes? He's been out injured for a while. Yeah. So I think I saw it at their worst, they had like 15 injuries or something like that. Yeah. Terrible. And I mean, not to quote, you know, somebody else that's on this podcast, but, you know, injuries shouldn't be an excuse. They shouldn't. (laughs) Especially when you're the richest damn club in the world, like Newcastle. So I I fully expect them to sign two to three players come January. Again, they might have to struggle with FFP, man. Maybe in a couple, two, three years, they'll... The revenues will be up a little higher, but... Well, let me put it this way. The Premier League did not ban loans from Saudi Arabia inside of ownership groups. So I think that they'll get two or three players on loan from a company that the PIF owns, yeah. I got got to give a shout-out, though, to Alexander Isak. Even though, you know, they didn't win any of these games, he is a class finisher, man. He has been playing fantastically. There was a play in that... A Newcastle Liverpool game where Darwin Nunez got sent one on one. Goalie saves it, kicks it at the goalie, hits his leg. Isak gets put on one on one against Allison, finishes at far post. Yep, slots it in. What a yeah, difference I did, from 
If you want to, if you want to talk about Darwin, yeah, I mean, he's a hyped up guy, man. He's got more big chances missed than Nicholas Jackson and Richarlison combined. That doesn't surprise me. He misses a lot. Yeah. So being honest, he is a glorified bench player. I think Jota should be starting ahead of Darwin Nunez. The way he's playing right now. Yeah. I mean, there's flashes of brilliance in there, but unless you can be the finished article and do it consistently, there's no way. No way he should be doing it. He does not do anything consistently. Exactly my point. Put that ponytail up. <laughs> and miss wide open chances on goal. Yep. All right. Well, let's go to a team that a little bit hot, a little bit cold here. This festive fixture. West Ham lost 5-0 to Liverpool in the EFL quarter, Cup quarterfinal. They won 2-0 at, at, uh, to Manchester United at home. Mm-hmm. Huge win against Arsenal to Emirates. And then they drew... Nil-nil against Brighton, which happened today as of this recording. Yeah, I mean, EFL Cup, as much change squad for both sides. Liverpool dominated. Is that Anfield? But beating United at home, they look dominant. United looked terrible beat, and helpless. Beat, and they're going to beat Arsenal right at the At the Emirates. And it should have been three if not for David Raya saving a penalty on Ben Rama. So... David Moyes has got them purring right now. They're all the way up to sixth place. 34 points, five points off of Tottenham right now. Six points off of the top four. I am loving the Jared Bowen, Mohamed Kudis, Lucas Paqueta connection, man. Yeah, all three of them interchanging up front. It's fantastic to watch. And, I mean, we've said it once and we'll say it a million times. United signed the wrong player for my ex, man. <laughs> Signing Anthony instead of Mohamed Kudis. I, I, the money spent by West Ham to get him looks like chump change right now. I mean, honestly, the the amount of the business that West Ham did in the summer, I think they came out looking one of the best signings. And Kudis, yes. Alvarez, uh, James Ward-Prowse. Ward oh man, those are Mavropanos as well. Yeah, He's been looking good for them. Yeah. So, yeah, much-needed depth, better attacking options, more sound in midfield. You can't really ask for anything more. Nope, nope. Hard-working West Ham side, doing well in the Premier League. And kinda in like, the Europa League. Like to see it, don't you? Yes, don't forget about the, Euro- the Europa Europa League. That's what they're yeah. in, not the Conference Cup. Well, they won that last year, so they, they can't be in it. Well, let's go to a team that's in that Conference Cup, I believe. Are they in the Europa League? Brighton. Europa League, I believe. All right. Well, Brighton. You keep talking. I'll look it up. <laughs> okay. They drew 1 1 to Palace. <laughs> they won 4 2 against Spurs. And then they drew 0 0 to West Ham, which we had just mentioned. Europa League, yes. Brighton have kind of been all over this season. You never know how they're going to do. They concede just so many goals, man. But they score. I mean, they until scored. the Arsenal game, they had scored in every match, almost the, every match in this entire calendar year of 2023, and then start of 2024, not scoring. But but they were also yeah. conceding almost in every match. So it was good for them to get a draw, at least keep a clean sheet against West Ham. But they're sitting seventh place, not too bad. Yeah, especially for how topsy-turvy they've been. How topsy-turvy they've been this season. Being in seventh, I would say, is a win for them right now. Yeah, they have players coming back, too. Stupin Young came back, scored a nice goal against Spurs. 
Jao Pedro's on fire, scoring goals. Looks like a steal of a signing from Watford. Yep. Um, Henselwood's looking like another star. Matoma's coming back healthy again. Henselwood, a youngster I said to keep an eye on. Mm. Set you up for that one, did I? <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> if you haven't heard that episode, I think it was in a, it was our last one, our mid-season yep. awards. Make sure you check that out. Or you can check the segment all by itself on YouTube. Just make sure you subscribe and hit that notification bell, as well as like there the video. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Spread it out through the multiple platforms. Yeah. Let's let's get to a team man that we're on a tear, moving up the table, or not even moving, flying up the table. That's a better word for it. Bournemouth, man. They won 3-2 away to Forest, won 3-0 at home to Fulham. But they lost their last game, 3-1 to Spurs. But before that, before that loss, they had won their previous four, I would say, in a row. Four or five? I think four or five, yeah. I mean, they're one of the most fun teams to watch in the Premier League right now. They're playing with some confidence. Dominic Solanke is looking like a stud right now. And I don't think I would ever have thought that I would have said those words. So do you think a bigger team, you know, like obviously we know Chelsea struggling for goals and a striker, Man United are, Arsenal are probably looking for a striker. Do you think any of those teams should go for a Dominic Solanke either in January or this summer? I mean, we saw what he did at Liverpool, right, where it didn't quite pan out for him. But I think he's matured enough at this point that depending on what their asking price is for him, because I would say with his form right now, they'd probably get over 50 mil for him. Not that I don't think he's worth that much, but with the form he's in, they could definitely ask for it. And I, I do think that one of those clubs should at least inquire for his services, if not all of them. I would be hesitant. Yes, he's having a fantastic season. But it's only been this season I would say he's really ever performed. I mean, he's had a couple seasons at Bournemouth. Like you said, he was at Liverpool. And he could never really get going. Maybe this is his turnaround that he needed to really boost his career. But for me, I think it's just too much of a gamble. Yeah, more of a flash in a pan than... I kind of think it's going to be a flash in the pan type of situation where even if he stays at Bournemouth next season, I, I don't think you quite get these results. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. I, I just think a lot of it has to do with how comfortable he is in his situation where he's playing right now and then just the way the club as a whole feels right now, right? They're playing with confidence. He's playing with confidence. They're creating loads of chances for him, and he's putting them away. I, I Does he do that somewhere else? Probably not. But I think at least one team will take a look at him, maybe not sign him but they should at least inquire about his services. Okay. Well, let's move on to a team that has inquired about a lot of player services. (laughs) Chelsea. They won their EFL Cup quarterfinal at home to Newcastle on PKs after it was tied 1-1. They lost 2-1 away to Wolves, 1-2-1 at home to Crystal Palace, and then one three two away to Luton. Yeah, and it's Luton at home too, and they're flying at home right now. They are. So Chelsea currently middle of the pack, tenth place. Yeah, it seems like no matter what they do, whether they win or lose, they just stay tenth. 
They haven't moved in what seems like six months. <laughs> they really haven't. No, I mean, Newcastle's in ninth is one point above them, but then Wolves, who are in eleventh, are tied on points. Yeah. I will yeah, say we'll, in, we'll get to in them Cuckoo, in a and Cuckoo came back and did score a goal, so that was good to yeah. see. Yeah, he he has definitely fan. been. He's seems like a difference maker in their attack. At least they're scoring goals now, which is nice to see for them. Yeah. Um, I just it's their defense, man. They they are scoring goals, yes, but they're allowing them. It's their and midfield, man. Not on many about. chances. Their midfield either. has not been the best. Well, I mean, it's two hundred plus million in signings right there, just with the two of them. They're not playing like hundred no. million signings in Caicedo no. and Enzo Fernandez. I think they I have a gear to go up, and they could turn good. But right now, I. Ugh. I'd say Connor Gallagher is their best midfielder right I now. would agree with that. Yeah. I know they do have Romeo Lavia still to come back from injury. Once he gets fit, does he, you know, do you put him in there for Caicedo? Do you take out Enzo? One of the two. It'll be interesting to see what Pochettino does. What However, your three, your three-person midfield look like for Chelsea? I don't know if I would play three, to be honest with you. Well, that's I would how play. They play. They, they play I would, four three three. Yeah, I think I probably would put Nkuku as more of a number ten, giving him more ability availability to go forward. And I probably would do Caicedo and Lavia if I had all of them healthy. But Gallagher's a good shout. Play He's Gallagher, just, man. He's their best player right I now. I would probably put Gallagher out on the wing. I'll be honest with you. No, you wouldn't. Yes. Well, he's got to start. You can't put him out. Who are you going to start him out on the wing over? Not Sterling. Palmer? <laughs> no. I would probably play. I would put Palmer at striker. <laughs> I would play Palmer in that number 10 role, if I'm being honest with you. All right. This, and Cuckoo doesn't usually, like, when we've seen him play as a, a true number nine, he doesn't do quite as well as he does sitting I would, back. I would have him and Palmer just interchanging. Okay. Either way. Honestly, on the wing, I would have either Sterling or Mudrick on the left, whoever you want. But I like the player who's been in form lately for Chelsea, and that's Noni Madueke, man. He's been he's been tearing it up, man. I was surprised. You know, like, at the beginning of the season, I was surprised he wasn't getting that much playing time. Because at the end of last season, I thought he was one of their better players down the wing, running at defenders. He's Certainly playing. the most exciting winger they have. Yes. And so I was surprised he wasn't getting playing time. He's been getting it now, scoring goals, scored a, against Palace, against Luton. So that's who I would be playing. I mean, it definitely is a good headache to have if you're Pochettino going forward. In midfield, different story. I I mean, maybe just get rid of a lot of them and pick somebody else and Gallagher to play in center. Well, you can't. I mean, they paid $100 million for these players. They're on eight-year contracts. They have to stick with them. Gallagher's the only one they could sell. And with FFP rules, there's rumors that if a team comes for them, they're willing to let them go for a cool 50 mil. I mean, the way he's playing right now, he's worth 50 mil. He is. He is. Especially sure. with English tax on him. Um, yeah, I'd be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if someone comes in and tries to sign him. 50 mil, that's not a lot, especially if you sign him to a five-year contract. No, and He's no, not so. old, so it's a good shout. See, they could use that 50 mil and then turn it and buy a striker. For 150. No, I... <laughs> So, actually, there's a striker out there with a 17.5 million euro release clause. Yep. 
I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, but he's a certain striker from Stuttgart. He is. Yeah. Garassi. <laughs> yeah. I don't. How do you pronounce I'll be exactly. surprised. Yeah, it's Garassi. Siru Garassi. I, I bet. Like that. I bet. Probably has the pick of the litter. He probably Real, Real Madrid, Chelsea, Man United. Chelsea, Man United. I'm sure you'd probably see a team like West Ham go after him. Tottenham. Like he's gonna have and a half his... mil, man. Why the f not? <laughs> yeah. If I'm Stuttgart, I'm like, here, here's the contract. Sign it, please. <laughs> Let's go ahead and uh, triple this number. Triple your wages <laughs> and triple your uh, release clause there, and uh, we'll call it good. And if anyone comes in and wants to pay that one, we'll sell you. But that's just, yeah. Some of these release clauses, man, where teams, when a player starts to perform and they don't restructure his contract, it makes no sense to me. I, w- I would say with Garassi, I'd be a little afraid also of like a yeah. Dominic Solanke situation mm-hmm. where he's having that flash in the pan season. Because he was at Stuttgart last season on loan and they decided to, you know, to keep him. Yeah. But obviously, we didn't see the numbers he's producing in the Bundesliga as he is no. you know, last year. Last Rem- year, we didn't see that. It reminds me a lot of Nicholas Jackson as well. Because he tore it up Body in Spain profile, last season. Yeah. yeah. And then this season, you know, I mean, if he could finish chances, then he probably would be up there near the top of top goal scorers in the Premier League. But he can't finish. Well, I mean, he's a better finisher than Darwin Nunez is, but that's about all I can say. Who's the better player, Nicholas Jackson or Darwin Nunez? I mean, it's Darwin Nunez, but... Yeah, I would agree with you. That's all-around player. Yes, best all-around player. We'll have to post that one on on a poll. It's a good shout. Yeah, let us know what you guys think. Nicholas Jackson or Darwin Nunez? Let us know on our Facebook or YouTube. Make sure to drop a comment, like, hit that notification bell. All those fun things. But let's move on to Wolverhampton Wanderers. They're currently sitting in 11th after the festive period. They won 2-1 at home to Chelsea. This one was surprising. A 4-1 win away to Brentford. And then won 3-0 at home to Everton. Perfect They're on fire, man. festive period. They're on fire right now. Scoring goals for fun. Uh, Matthias Cunha and Huang Chan are lighting it up. I love Cunha, man. Mario I think Lamina. he's honestly well, one of the best dribblers in the Premier League. Cunha? Cunha. Yeah. He's 100%. probably one of the most skillful players as well. He's, he's got everything. And he doesn't beat you so much with his pace, man. It is just he jukes you out of your shoes. You don't know which way he's going. He has a that football mind. And it, it's I love watching him play. Yeah. I love watching Huang Hee-chan or that Korean guy play as well because he is just a pure class finisher, man. I wouldn't be surprised if a team tried to sign him. And good news, Pedro Neto's back for Wolves from his lengthy injury. He came, he was uh, came in on a, against Everton, I believe. Yep. Got a goal, so I think he's still got near the top in assists this season. So look for him to pad those stats. There you go, man. But yeah, any, I mean, they won two one against Chelsea. Good result for them. Yep. I guess they're they're only a, they're tied on points now with Chelsea. So that's about at Chelsea's level. Wolves. Yeah, I would say so. The way they've been playing this season, even though you picked them to get relegated. No, I won't leave that down. Let you. Leave I that know down. that was that was uh, during the whole 
Tiggy yeah. debacle. They were having huge financial financial problems. They look fine now. They brought in Gary O'Neill. Uh, Gary O'Neill, man, he righted that ship, didn't he? Yes, he did. Keeping him above the team that let him go in Bournemouth. <laughs> Which is hard to do right now with the way Bournemouth are playing. So Exactly. All right, well, let's look at a team that I would say is kind of struggling compared to last season. Last season, they started out real hot, kind of faded, but Fulham. Yeah. Lost 2-0 at home to Burnley, lost 3-0 away to Bournemouth, but then come back and win 2-1 at home to Arsenal. Yeah, and all of this is after winning two games back-to-back 5-0. So... Fulham, man, I don't know which team's going to show up. I'll be honest with you. They look fantastic at times, and others, you're like, what? Why is this team so bad? Especially yeah. against Bournemouth, man. <laughs> they they look terrible. They looked Bournemouth. real bad against Bournemouth. And then, they I mean, lost credit, to Burnley. <laughs> credit to them. They came back strong after that Bournemouth loss. and Took it to Arsenal. More clinical with their chances. Yeah. Probably should have had more. All right, let's look at one of the worst teams this festive period. That was Brentford. They lost 4-1 to Wolves and lost 3-1 away to Crystal Palace. They only had the two games. They had a game with Man City postponed due to Man City being in the Club World Cup. But what's going on with Brentford, man? I I don't know. I want need Ivan Tony. I I think so, but even then, I don't know if it's going to help them, man. Like, I think it's one thing, and then... It's another part of the field that they struggle at. Sometimes it's their goalkeeping. Sometimes it's their defending. Sometimes it's their attack can't score, which is crazy to me after Mbomo and Visa last season were like literally the one-two punch of the Premier League. Mbomo's also been out injured, though. Yeah, yeah, that that will affect them a lot. I I think it's just all over the park right now. They're not playing well. Uh, getting Ivan Tony back will be definitely a confidence boost for them. But how much? Is he going to be completely fit right off the bat? How long is it going to take him to get back into, you know, the form we've seen of him? I, I don't know. And it might, by then it might be too late. They could just be in a tailspin. Yeah, they are tumbling down the table. They're in 16th place with 19 points. Yeah, four points off the drop zone. They've lost five in a row. They do not look good going forward. They look terrible in defense. So what happens with Thomas Frank then? Last year, you know, he was one of the managers to be applauded. There were talks maybe a big team could come for him. Does he keep his job if things keep going this way? I think if they get relegated, yeah. But I I think he'll finish out the season. No problem. All right, well, let's move on to Crystal Palace. They're also flirting with that relegation zone a bit. They're sitting in 14th. On 21 points. And they drew 1-1 at home to Brighton. Lost 2-1 away to Chelsea. And then won 3-1 at home to Brentford. Yeah, I mean, those four points probably are the only reason Roy Hodgson has a job right now. I would say Abricieze and Michael Elise coming back into the team. That as well. Yeah. Roy Hodgson has a job right now. I yeah. He looks... Like the next one, if things start going the wrong way for Crystal Palace. Yeah, I mean, it's, to be honest, it's either him or Vincent Company or Eric Ten Hag. It's going to be one of those three. 
somebody else, if it's somebody else, then, you know, I'll, I'll take that bet any day of the week, but I, I, I don't see how it wouldn't be one of those three. Yeah. Well, let's move on to Nottingham Forest, who recently got a new manager in Nuno Espirito Santo. Forest, they lost 3-2 to Bournemouth at home, where they fired Steve Cooper and hired Nuno. They won 3-1 away at Newcastle. Massive Good old manager result. bounce. And then they won 2-1 at home to Manchester United. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Alonga, $15 million, That's all they paid for him. Looking like a steal. Nuno getting that new manager bounce. I'll be interested to see how they start playing come February when that new manager bounce is over. But they needed the six points massively. They got it. Jumped up the table. I mean, otherwise they'd be in the relegation zone right now. Yeah, I love their attacking kind of midfield of Morgan Gibbs-White, Callum Hudson-Odoi, and Anthony Alonga. Yeah, and they look like they're clicking as well. And you get Awanee in there when he gets healthy. It's going to be fun to watch. Currently got Chris Wood, who scored a hat trick against Newcastle, his old club. Poor yeah, revenge, revenge season either. is upon us, apparently. Poor guy didn't even, wasn't even able to celebrate against his old club. He kept it pretty relaxed for his celebrations. All right, well, let's move on to another club that did terrible this festive season. That's Everton, man. They lost the EFL Cup quarterfinal to Fulham. Lost 2-1 to Spurs at home. Lost 3-1 to City at home. And lost 3-0 away to Wolves. Yeah. So much for them playing like a team that should be middle of the table instead of the bottom of the table. These results definitely solidify the fact that they're down there, even though it is a 10-point deduction, the reason why they're down there. So, yeah, I again, with Everton, you never know what you're going to get. I don't know what else to say because sometimes they're really good and sometimes maybe shit. <laughs> that has been their case so far. I will say they're usually more good than shit, but this past month, couple weeks, I guess, has not been well. Yeah, new year, turn the page, start all over. Yeah, Get they, back I to mean, where they were before. Three. These are the three losses they've had in a row in the Premier League. So we'll see if they can bounce back. Their next game is against uh, Crystal Palace in the FA Cup. And then they're at home to Villa. Should be a cracker. Should be. All right, let's move on to Luton, who won 1-0 away to Newcastle. Won 3-2 at home to Sheffield United. And then lost 3-2 at home to Chelsea. Yeah, man, I... Loon, I'll, I'll give you props. You said they're going to miss the drop. And with their performances at home of late and away at Newcastle, I can't see them not. The way Brentford's playing, the way that Forrest was playing before getting Nuno, the way Everton's playing right now. Flip coin, man. I told you, Luton, at home at Kenilworth Road, that is where they can pick up points and potentially survive to make it another year. I mean, is that 1-0 win at Newcastle? Or was it at home in Newcastle? It's away, yeah. So away at Newcastle. Is that the shock result of this festive period, man? I would say so. Maybe either that or United beating Villa, the way both teams were playing coming into that match. But, yeah, it has to be. 
especially at St. James's Park, where Luton's record away from home has been terrible, and Newcastle's record at home has been amazing. So, yeah, I, I definitely in there with a shout. And then even that Chelsea game, Chelsea went up, but man, Luton had chances. They had some goals taken back to offsides. Now you go all the way back to the Arsenal game. They pushed Arsenal to game. the brink. They pushed, they, pushed they pushed Man City, Liverpool, and Man City all to the brink, and Villa as well. So I'm we can, we're definitely going to see them fight for their lives in the Premier League, and I'm hoping that they'll stay up because of it. I am too, man. I, I want that Cinderella story to, to keep on going. Well, let's move on to Burnley, man. They they won two one or sorry two nil. What they won a game. They won a game. <laughs> they lost 2-0 home to Liverpool and then lost 3-2 away to Villa. But, yes, yeah, so this festive period kind of saw all these relegation-threatened teams at least pick up a point. They yeah. Picked up something. At least one. But, yeah, you got to think watching these teams play. Burnley and Sheffield United have to be going down. Luton... They've been unlucky. They should stay up, I, I would think. But so yeah. Just... So currently, Luton is four points above Burnley, but they have a game in hand. And with that game in hand, they could potentially jump above Everton if they win it. Yeah, and they, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they play Burnley in their next Premier League match at oh, home. Do they? That will be <clears throat> yes, January fifteenth. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's, way, at, though, it's at, at Burnley, Turf Moor. Yeah. It's at Turf Moor. Yeah. So. so that will be a big six pointer, as you like to call them. Yeah, I mean, especially with points being that scarce at the bottom of the table, Burnley win, they put themselves firmly, you know, towards getting out of the relegation zone. If they lose, they probably will doom themselves. Even if they win, man, it, I still don't think they have. I haven't seen anything from Burnley to suggest they're getting anywhere near out of the relocation zone, if I'm being honest with you. I, I will 100% agree with that. I just, the, even the sheer fact that they beat Fulham is shocking to me. So, yeah. Well, let's go to the team that's probably going down with them Sheffield. They drew 1 1 to Villa, lost 3 2 at home to Luton, lost 2 0 away to City. That Luton game was a big one. It was. A couple own goals in the dying moments. And saw four, two take. goals and two own goals in four minutes in the dying moments of that match. Yeah, I shot themselves in the foot, but it pretty much sums up how they've been playing this season. Yeah, I mean, you never expected them to get anything against City. And then, honestly, I didn't expect them to get anything against Villa, but credit to them, they, they did. Yeah, I didn't expect them to get anything either. So... Those are all the results, man, from this festive period. Who was the best team for you during this festive period? Well, I what do you do? I was gonna say, how do you define best team? Is it the team that played the best? Is it the team that essentially got the best results out of the festive period? Because if it's that one and the winners would be Liverpool for me. Okay. Because they're, you know, up till that point, their biggest title challengers in Arsenal, they drew with them, and then Arsenal dropped points in two successive games, so now they're five points up on them. Villa's dropping points. City still has a game in hand, which they could go within two points if they beat that Brentford with a game in hand, but they're not even playing to their full potential, and they're in first. So I would have Liverpool as my second best team, I think. 
for this festive period. Because like you said, they weren't in first come Christmas, and then here we are, the new year, and they are in first. They didn't win all of their games, so I think that's why I don't have them in first. For me, it's Wolves, man. They won all their games, flew up the table, and Gary O'Neill has them playing well. Yeah, they're fun to watch right now. Um, Wolves, in my opinion, had the best run, right? They're playing the best right now. I just think the overall scenario of the title race because of everything that happened, that's why I have Liverpool as my winners of the festive period. But Wolves definitely, in my opinion, were the best team of the festive period. And then Chelsea starting to win games, man. Win games? Yes. Yeah, I guess One. they did win two, huh? And scoring goals. So <laughs> I'm not saying they're up there near the top. I'm just saying it might be a springboard for them the rest of the season. I also gave an honorable mention to Luton, man. Yeah. Yep. Winning a couple Definitely. of games. All right, Cargo. Who was the worst team this festive season? Easy. Newcastle. <laughs> Lost to Forest, Luton, and Liverpool. Well, I'll do you one better. Only because they lost one game more, and that's Everton. Because they lost four games, not three. <laughs> they lost a full AFL of Cup final, first, yeah. So, yeah, man, I both teams were terrible during the festive season. I would say Everton had harder teams and Spurs and City. Now the Wolves game, okay, they they should be competing with the Wolves a little bit closer than they did, but and Fulham as well on PKs again. Yeah, um, could have gone either way. It could have. Newcastle lost to Forest and Luton, man. Yeah, and then, yes, Liverpool. Yeah, I mean... At home to Luton. At home, at home. Both teams, especially with their form going into that, Newcastle has been on a tear of bad results lately. Everton were flying high coming into the festive period. It's the only reason I picked them over Newcastle. Either way, they both sucked. They need some serious help and a bunch of rest before the rest of the season begins. Honorable mention to Arsenal, too, for being the worst. Mm -hmm. Was in first, now in fourth. If you wanted my completely biased opinion, that would have been my answer. <laughs> because of how bad they're playing versus how well they've been playing before that. It's like they are a completely different team after that Liverpool result. Where they probably didn't even deserve a draw. So Not at all. But let me ask you, what was your favorite game during this festive period? I mean, it had to be the same one as you. That Villa, that Villa United, United game, but Trapper. I will give before we get into that, I will give a shout out to Brighton destroying Spurs. That one was a good. One that match Villa, was yes. fun to watch, but it has to be United and Villa. I mean, Villa were up two 0 and cruising at halftime, and just to see United finally show up for once. Hoyland to score his first goal in the Premier League. Yeah, that was that was so much fun. Garnacho tearing it up against Villa. Coming back, scoring three goals, winning that match, which was massive three points for them, and a terrible result for Villa, especially going up 2-0. Yeah, good, I mean, that I would have said old. that was going to be the turning point for them until they lost to Forrest on the weekend. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a fun game, man. You always have the Emmy Martinez antics that never disappoint, if I'm being never, honest. <laughs> never, yeah. 
So it was fun. But what you know, what was your guys' favorite match to watch? I'm sure it's not very different from ours. And who is the worst team this festive season? And who were the winners of the festive fixtures? Let us know. Make sure to give us five stars on all your favorite social or, uh, podcasting platforms. Check us out on our social media, on Facebook, on YouTube. Check out our Facebook group. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, notification bell, and following us on those platforms. Festive fixtures, man. Most wonderful time of the year. That it is. That it is, man. At least if you're a neutral. If you're a neutral. <laughs> but that- till next time, my friends, as always, cheers. Cheers.